Yo, have you heard from Amin? When's the last time you guys did radio? No, I I mean he hasn't hit the chat back. I think we did radio we did radio Friday night. Oh man. We usually like have fun and are very, you know, like back and forth, but we'll kinda of talk shit to each other. He was still in a mood. I mean that picture that's <laughs> that made the rounds on Twitter. Yeah, it did make me it did make me fearful. Our man <laughs> made me a little worried about our guy. Yeah. I like I've tweeted at him. I think he's I think he like I've seen him look at my Instagram stories, but other than that, like I don't I haven't heard from him. A couple of things in the CTD chat about just business stuff, but that's it. It's fucking weird, man. Like he didn't respond to anything we did this week. He really took after it the heart. He he learned how to ghost. He did learn how to ghost. He's <laughs> he's the new cipher rage. That's what we've always said about him. Yeah, I don't know. You want to call him? He's on the call, right? Yeah, I mean, he's it's a cinephobe chat. He's he's always added. I I texted him and got nothing. All right, man. Well, let's just start it, I guess. Yeah, you want to still go? I mean, <laughs> we'll just get Waz next week. Yeah, we just do that. We'll go today and then Mariano. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, we should get Mariano for sure. Dave Schilling watched bad movies all the Are time. Just naming black people we know at this point. What? What? Anthony Canton the third? Your picks have been horrible, man. That's the point. That's the point of the show. Isn't, Isn't it? Isn't it? it? It's Isn't possible. It? I don't understand what this podcast is about. Poppycock. It's a fuck house. On a weekly basis, we are consuming more concentrated bad movies than probably anybody in the history of mankind. Poppycock. What story? <laughs> what story? <laughs> What are you talking about? Do you want lunch? I have yet to laugh in this movie. I'll just tell you that. You picked it, motherfucker. <laughs> just remember that. You know the problem with Hollywood is? They make shit. Unbelievable, unremarkable shit. So I was legitimately offended. You were offended? I was, a, I was offended. I didn't know you could get offended. I was offended. This did it. If I were gay, I wouldn't be offended. They're fucking making shit up, I mean! Inconsequential detail after inconsequential detail after inconsequential detail. Please don't lie. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. I'm holding a mic in my hands and now I'm talking all over. The podcast where we break down the movies you're afraid to admit you love. I'm Zach Harper. Normally, Amin Al Hassan's here, but he uh, seems to be not here after uh, the After Earth fiasco. But we do have Anthony Mays filling in. Well, you're not filling in. You're just kind of moving up in the lineup, right? Yeah, that's got to feel pretty good. I'm going for most improved players, Zach. That, that award's still wide open. There's plenty of time for me to put my name in the running. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, you get to talk more. Right? That's got to be exciting. Yeah, we're losing about 45 minutes from this podcast on right. average, though. So. <laughs> right. We, we got to fill, so you get, a, you get a chance to do that. Uh, reminder, if you have submissions for Cinephobe, for, for Maze and myself, 40% or lower on Rotten Tomatoes for the audience or the critic score. This week on Cinephobe, we watched the Maze pick, the 2001 comedy, Wet Hot American Summer. It has got a pretty impressive cast, Maze. Janine Garofalo from Reality Bites and Cable Guy. David Hyde Pierce played Niles on Frasier. Forever Niles. Also, met him. Very nice guy. Kelsey Grammer, 
was not there. Maybe it should have been David Dr. Jekyll Pierce. Oh, boy. Try it a little bit. Michael Showalter from Signs and Two Night Stand. Paul Rudd from I Love You Man and 40-Year-Old Virgin. Christopher Maloney from I Am Wrath. He makes another appearance. <laughs> Cinephobe repeat offender, Christopher <laughs> Maloney. Marguerite Moreau from D2 Mighty Ducks and Queen of the Damned. Molly Shannon, Ken Marino, Joe LaTrulia, Michael Ian Black, Amy Poehler, Bradley Cooper, Elizabeth Banks. I mean, this cast is star-studded. Bradley Cooper's first movie ever. Was it? And the can of vegetables is H. John Benjamin, who you will definitely recognize his voice from Archer and Bob's Burgers. Wow. Wow. Yeah, this, this is a banging cast. Wet Hot American Summer was directed by David Wayne who directed Role Models, and they came together. Also wrote this movie with Michael Showalter. They've written Role Models, the 1999 MTV Movie Awards, and the Wet Hot American Summer Netflix series. They're also co-creators of The State, which was a sketch comedy show on MTV from 93 to 95. Chad, a lot of these people in it, but also like Thomas Lennon and Carrie Kenny from Reno 911. Yeah, absolutely. It feels like we're flying through this, right? Yeah, we'll be done in an hour. This is great. <laughs> yeah, this is a new 45-minute show. This is incredible. I'd never seen this movie before, but I did try to watch the Netflix series because I saw a bunch of people were excited about it, and I didn't get it. I'll admit that. I might go back and watch it again. It was a little excessive because the whole bit was just that it was a prequel, but they were all 20 years older playing children still (laughs) right yeah okay it was mostly just that it was such a hit for netflix it was so popular that netflix dropped the bag you know yeah who were they to not pick up the bag especially when they're lying about their budget in 2001 (laughs) exactly you always have to lie about your budget synopsis for wet hot american summer set on the last day of camp in the hot summer of 1981 a group of counselors try to complete their unfinished business before the day ends all right Tagline, high times, hard bodies, soft rock. There's also another one. It was the last day of summer camp. It was the first day of the third week in August. I don't like that. Oh, yeah. I don't know. Uh, Some of the writing in this. We'll get to it. $5 million estimated budget grossed $295,000 in the U.S. So actually, it was 1.8. Was it? David Wayne revealed this in a 2011 interview. They lied about it costing $5 million in an attempt to attract a better offer from a distributor. Oh, okay. And it didn't work. <laughs> it did not work at all. They did not get distributed. No one saw this movie in theaters. I don't even know if I had heard of it until... Maybe I had heard of it. I don't remember hearing about it until around the Netflix series. For whatever reason, this flew under the radar for me. It was definitely a cult movie for a while there. But then Netflix mainstreamed it. Before jumping into this movie and listening to the rest of the podcast, you can find Wet Hot American Summer available on Stars. All right, let's get to the Rotten Tomatoes score. Wet Hot American Summer receives 36% from the critics on 74 reviews and 76% from the audience on over 39,000 ratings. One of our biggest disparities, Maze. Pretty nice. Nice 40% separation. Well, look, this usually means time to shine. Now it's on you, Maze. Do you want the positive or the negative reviews first? Well, I'm a full half glass kind of dude, so give me the negative. What? That's how it goes, right? Well, I'm a wait. So do you want half the half glass, glass negative, negative? kind of guy? So give me the positive. Wow, everybody's just thinking about the negative. 
well, I think the glass is half full. Everybody thinks it's half empty. We want the positive. All right. Yeah, we start with the positive. Yeah, this is, this is seamless. All right. Lisa Allspector of Chicago Reader. The title of this inventive, absurdist comedy is meant to mislead. It's not a sex movie, but a parody, and the loose feel is part of its genius. This is one of the horniest movies we've done. Real horny movie, absolutely. It's really a shame that Amin's not here. Oh my god, the tension. <laughs> Sexual tension yeah. is everywhere. We missed out. David Anson of Newsweek. This shamefully underpromoted, gloriously silly romp made me laugh harder than any other movie this summer. This blissfully unimportant movie starts in a deceptively low-key, gradually unveiling its total lunacy. Yeah. What other 2001 comedies do we have? I don't know about that, Great but question. other than that, I agree. Terry Lawson of Detroit Free Press. Have a good summer. Rob Gonzalez of eFilmCritic.com. This was always more or less destined to be a cult comedy, passed along enthusiastically on video slash DVD. I agree with that. Yeah? Yeah. I don't think it was always meant to be, but that's what, <laughs> that's what happened. <laughs> that's, what it, that's what it ended up being. 2001 comedies. Legally Blonde. That's better than this movie. Yes. Super Troopers. Better. I believe is a future cinephobe. Then we've got How High, also a future cinephobe. Better. Zoolander, way better. Better. Evolution, you ever see that one with David Duchovny? Yeah, I think it's better. Rat Race? Ooh. I don't know. And then future cinephobes, Pootie Tang and Freddy Got Fingered. Kind of in the middle. Ron Wells of Film Threat. Once you get into the flow with Wayne and Showalter and understand what they're trying to do, the movie is pretty damn funny. Marcy Demansky of About.com, when the jokes work, they really work. I mean, of course. <laughs> what a stupid thing to say. Give me a percentage like your hack compatriots. James Rochi of Netflix, ensemble spoof of 80s flicks such as Meatballs and Little Darlings is a camp comedy in more ways than one. Right, see what they did there. Camp <laughs> comedy. Aha. John Popick of Planet S Magazine, the funniest cinematic camp experience since Pugsley and Wednesday freaked everyone out at their rendition of the first Thanksgiving and Adam's Family Values. And then Eric D. Snyder of ericdsnyder.com. Shut the fuck up, man. Isn't that what he does? I think so. Surprisingly high percentage of jokes succeed brilliantly. That's optimistic. Once again, give me a number. Right. It's not that hard. It doesn't even have to be a good number. Just throw some numbers out. Negative reviews. Felicia Feaster of Creative Loafing. Feast on this. But like many... A Saturday Night Live gag, Wet Hot American Summer, also can overstay its welcome and drag interminably on its joke about the longest day in the world backfiring as it moves sputteringly toward a resolution. Gene Seymour of LA Times, but even with its tackiness arched at an ironic angle, Wet Hot American Summer's long-term fate is to become at best a last-minute accessory to a blockbuster night of pizza and beverages. This did not age well. Wow. Wow. Joe Layden of The Moving Picture Show... Where is Jason Voorhees, the hockey mask killer of Camp Crystal Lake, when you really need him? He wants to kill everyone? Three more quick ones. David Nusser of Real Film Reviews. That whooshing sound you hear is the majority of the jokes in Wet Hot American Summer sailing right over my head. Now, was that negative about the reviewer or the movie? That's really just being honest with (laughs) your own lack of comic understanding. Maitland McDonough of TV Guide. Most of the scenes fall flatter than a lead souffle. And then Stephen Hunter of the Washington Post. This is supposed to be funny. It was so depressing, I almost started to cry. Sounds like Stephen's really going through something here. Once again, seems like you're just oversharing, my man. We are flying through this. Oh my god, this is great. I'll throw in a couple sidebars later on. Maze, do you have a first note for us? Um, 
No, you don't. First note. Uh, fuck. I mean, you know, I'm. You're not supposed to go to me first. Like I, I, I build over time. You know, I got like quotes and shit. Uh, just what's but your I, first fucking note, Maze? I mean, I, I my first note's about fucking a mean. Like I, I said, you there's no your way you can hate note this is movie. About fucking a mean. Oh. Is he of age? <laughs> you want to talk about oversharing? Bomm this week. Still looking for Maze, that. Maze, we're not doing a review of Counted Things. God damn it. Just, I'm going to call a mean. fuck do you want? Can we do this podcast? Can you stop pouting? Can you come back to Cinephobe? No, I'm fucking done with this shit, man. I'm serious. You've left me. All you guys do is, is fucking pick these terrible ass movies. It's the point of the show. No, it's not the point of the show. It is. The point of the show was to find movies that were poorly rated, but actually kind of got like a a bad knock. Like they get a bad rap. Like Double Impact. Like Hall Pass. Like Horrible Bosses 2. Instead, you guys are just picking movies to piss me off. Literally, that's the only criteria that's going into this. You brought that on yourself. What does that mean? You were a dick. So I told you I have a list of movies we're going to enjoy and movies that are going to hurt you. Pick one. I have been. No, you haven't. I've got the list in front of me. And don't get me started on that fucking terrorist over there. Look, you left me with his cat threw up already in the episode. <sighs> okay, I need more. Jesus Christ. You have a first note, I mean? Did you watch the movie? I did watch this movie. And you know what? Fuck you. Again, two weeks in a row. My opening note is going to tell my kids this is what life was like pre-COVID. Because they're all around a campfire and they're dancing and they're having a good time and they're making out. And I was like, I remember, I remember doing that. You went to campfires? No, I've never actually, I've never been to camp. That was my next note. You guys go to summer camp. A day camp, but never like a sleepover camp. Closest I got was like a family retreat in the mountains where 20 families would go for a week and you hang out with other kids. and Only 18 made it back? <laughs> everybody made it back we were definitely the outsiders me and my dad so it's not like i grew up with everybody my first note do you enjoy a movie start any more than the universal graphic and sound i like the lion i like the mgm lion really oh mgm lion when there's no music it's just a roar it's pretty cool i do enjoy a good paramount stars flying over the water i like that with silence no, I like it with good music. If you get like a good like musical start to it, it it hits. I also enjoy the Marvel. Oh, like the pages and all that shit. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It looks like comics, and then it turns into the Marvel logo. That's some. You know what? Some of the the big studios. Yo, shout out. You guys really do a good job. We've got a campfire with teenagers: Paul Rudd, Elizabeth Banks, Amy Poehler, Michael Showalter. Drinking beers, they're dancing, they're carousing. Paul Rudd already gets the golden dumpster from the way he smokes the cigarette in the very beginning of the credits. It's August 18, 1981, 5.57 a.m., the last day of camp. As dawn breaks, there's a lot of activity under the covers. Some kid says, guys, we got to get out of here. There's a mass exodus of boys from the girls' cabins. Those kids look very young. They were a little too young for that, right? Although I'm also terrible at guessing kids' ages. Boys are scrambling to get back to their rooms as Janine Garofalo and another girl sip coffee and watch them. Janine says very deadpan, you guys aren't supposed to be out of your bunks, you're in trouble. Then there's a guitar playing and some fat kid yells to wake up. Boys are waking up a counselor by singing. Girls are putting on makeup as their counselor says the bunk five boys will think they're hot during the kickball game. Do you feel like you had to have been to summer camp? 
to appreciate? Oh, man, that's a great question. It helps a lot. Or if you've watched the movies that they're referencing. Yeah, I've seen the movies they're referencing. What movies were they referencing? Maybe that's boring. Meatballs. Okay, I don't remember Meatballs. Sleepaway Camp, 1983. Indian Summer, 1993. Oh, Indian Summer. Yeah, I've seen that. Okay. And they also said they wanted it to be structured like Nashville, Dazed and Confused, and Do the Right Thing. Do the Right Thing. Jesus Christ. That was optimistic all right david hype pierce walks out of a cabin says hi to janine from across the way but spills his coffee as he's waving then she kind of flirts awkwardly and sips her coffee Artie on the radio says if you spent eight weeks and didn't find someone today's the day because you don't want to go home and lie about a summer romance that never happened we also find out there's gonna be a talent show at night fake radio stations and movies not a fan yep i call it wke exposition exposition radio like it just i i hate it like when they've got a radio announcer for like a little league baseball game no that's not how real life works future cinephobe summer catch there is a lot of that from the play-by-play of a pretty minor league team can't wait <laughs> he also plugs his jewish day school radio that he does during the year so Artie is just radio city we built this city paul rudd makes out with one of the counselors with a whole lot of tongue michael showalter looks longingly at it then she asks Coop, who's Michael Showalter, if he likes watching her and Andy make out. She then says that he looks sexy in a sweatshirt, his ass is hot, and asks if he wants to be her boyfriend. He says no, he gets it, and to stop, and she's just kidding. She's going to find him a woman today. Won't rest until the mission is accomplished, and he makes some awkward joke about canceling his order of onions and Limburger cheese for lunch. I want you inside me! I did laugh at that. What? Where he says, I want you inside me. What'd you say? Oh, nothing. I was just saying what's up from before. You didn't like that, I mean? None of that? I mildly smiled. Okay. Smildly. Yeah, we all thought about that in our heads, Zach. We all did that. Ken Marino from Role Models and Party Down comes over to Coop. Love Ken Marino. Oh, he's fantastic. He's one of those guys who, whatever he does, is always funny to me. This movie pushes that limit, though. He's got puga shells and a Jew fro. He's almost as horny as you, I mean. He's got short shorts. Oh, she definitely wants to fuck me. I mean, why else would she be talking to you? No offense. Then Janine Garofalo introduces herself to David Hyde Pierce. She's the camp director. He teaches astrophysics at a college. He goes to the cabin in the summer to relax. She says space, the final frontier. He says thanks for everything, and he starts to walk away. Just two nerds trying to flirt. She goes for a handshake, and he hands her a trowel. She wants him to come by the camp, teach the campers about space. He screams no after some hemming and hawing, and then she walks away. Victor, who is Ken Marino in this, points out another girl to Coop and says that she wants to fuck him as well. I have to admit, Abby Bernstein is one of the only berry bushes that I have yet to pollinate, if you get my meaning. You mean she's the only girl at camp you haven't done it with? Exactly what I mean. Penis in vagina. Christopher Maloney, our buddy from I Am Rad. He is acting his ass off, folks. In this movie, 100%. Absolutely. Victor asks for potatoes, and Gene flips a tray, nearly hitting Gary, who's 80 miles in the face. He spills everything on the ground. Gary, bring out the potatoes! Here they are. Hey, Gary. Hey, dude, what's up? Hey, guys. What'd you say, shithead? I said, hey, guys. What's your glitch, Gene? You listen to me, you fucked up little cigarette-smoking piece of shit. I was in the Vietnam War. 
I know. So the guy who's working with him as the short order cook. Gary. That's uh, Martin from Role Models, right? I fucking love this guy. Oh, he's great. I love him in everything. If I had a nickel for every time <laughs> someone said that, I would have enough money to play a game of Pac-Man. <laughs> <Five nickels. laughs> Let's smell this bush. <laughs> Christopher Maloney is the tough chef at the camp. He's Gene. He was in the Vietnam War, and he's intimidating everybody. This nerdy kid goes up to a table of girls wearing a cape. This is just fucking <laughs> right. <laughs> Bossing over this shit right now, because I got to tell you this story. Okay. Me and, and Tom are standing there. Frank Vogel comes up to Tom. I got it. Yeah. It's incredible. And we're back. And we're back. So this nerdy kid's name is Keith Stack. He may have uh, seen him a couple weeks ago at dinner when he was wearing underwear on his head. He's from Milburn, New Jersey, State Bird the Mosquito. Recently crowned a Class B Dungeon Master. Offers up playing D&D if any of the girls are interested. And this girl named Alexa says, in your dream, douchebag. We do need a druid, and you have definitely cast a level 5 charm spell on me. In your dreams, douchebag. And he says that's a hygienic product, and he takes that as a compliment. Why do we call people douchebags? It's a great word. It's a fun one. It sounds nice. It's a douche. It's a, it's a fun word to say. Douche is a fun, yeah. And douche is just shower in French. Yes. That's right. Shower bag. Louvain. Louvain. Be like Zippo. Le douchebag, Louvain. Abby flirts with Victor and he drops his food. Now David Hyde Pierce comes to the dining hall. Janine sees him. He asks for the nerdy kids and a guy points him to bunk three. Asks about the science projects. Nerds raise their hands, and she's excited they're all going to do the science. Gene aggressively drops a plate of food on Beth's table, spikes a fork into it, and then flips him off behind his back as he leaves. Thanks, Gene! At this point, the note I wrote is, what is this movie about? Camp! What the? What do you mean, what's it about? Like, I knew it was about camp, but it's just like, what is it about? Right. Like, there's, not, there's oh nothing happening in this movie. What's a million ways to die in the West about, I mean? Oh, it's about dying in the West. A million ways. But also, it's about a lot more funny jokes than this. He's asking Gary about uh, making the bug juice for lunch or something. I don't know. Picnic. A lot of this movie is that reaction right there, Zach. Something, something, I don't know. Says to get the powder packs from the pantry. It's next to his bottle of dick cream. He won't shut up about Vietnam. And Gary, Gary is just like, what do you want me to do, man? If I could change history, I would. Did you just say dick cream? 80 miles is dangerously close to breaking here. <laughs> Janine says that Victor and Neil have to take the kids out to Moose River. Bradley Cooper is now on scene with Amy Poehler. I wrote the note, Bradley Cooper looks like a penis with hair. He's decked out in a Fila tennis jacket and a lacrosse polo with the collar popped. Yeah. They are the theater kids, so I'm sure Amin is just loving this part. They spend a lot of the budget on wardrobe. But they hit the mark. They did, yeah. The wardrobe's actually perfect. Everyone looked authentically very early 80s. They're organizing the talent show over the night. There's musical theater numbers. She tells the kids to leave their baggage and bullshit attitude at the door. Because we don't need it! Katie wants Andy to take her to a makeout spot while he's kissing her. God damn it, Katie, you're suffocating me. 
I'm choking, all right? Give me some breathing room. Well, I just want to spend some time with you, you know? It's our last day at camp. My butt itches. What are you talking about? Hey, we're soulmates, right? What? Yeah. Whatever, if you want. JJ, save me a waffle, man. Andy, I'm serious. Come on. I just wanted to be special. Fuck you, Dyke. Why are you being such an asshole? I gotta finish my breakfast. I love you, baby. So good talking to you. At this point, I realized that this collection of 35-year-old actors are actually playing teenagers. Because I was thinking, like, this is really kind of inappropriate for camp employees to be acting like this. Then I'm like, wait a sec. Are they supposed to be like teenagers? That's part of the parody of me. Yeah, I didn't know it was a parody. Oh. I don't know. I don't know how to explain it. You don't feel the parody. They tried to make it a very slow burn. Yes, the build up to like this is a parody took a while. It just felt like quote unquote awkward humor at first. And then I realized, oh, they're like, that's the joke. Okay. But the joke wasn't even funny, the problem. Like if it was hilarious and it's like, okay, but it's like a lot of build up to a kind of joke. Paul Rudd is a white hot meteor in this movie. Tour de force. I don't like movies where any actor is playing the role of a child. Like those Adam Sandler movies, Billy Madison, Little Nicky. Like, I don't like those. I, I I never find that funny. Like, I'm shady, but I'm going to act like a child. Like, or, or it just, it's, I don't understand America's infatuation with that brand of funny. Yeah, I'm very confused by that as well, because it makes me start thinking, like, are we laughing at a whatever the nomenclature is that's acceptable these days? So go ahead and say it. Well, I mean, we got to, we got to hit the bingo was, card. We no, got to hit the bingo I, card. I, I wasn't going to go there. The word that keeps coming up on this show. What word are you talking about, Zach? I feel like you're painting me into a corner here that I don't know how to get out of. No, I'm trying. I'm, I'm trying to understand what you, you come back to the show, man, and you just you try to crucify the other co-hosts. What's going on? What's happening? But I don't believe you should use this word. It's the the retarded word. Oh wow, Zach. Not cool. We don't say it, but they say it on a lot of movies that we watch. They didn't say it in this movie. Applied it heavily. They hit the other word pretty hard, though. They did. They did hit the other word pretty hard. There was no joke. There are no jokes in this. Like there are five jokes in this whole movie. There's five jokes in this movie. No, there's a lot of jokes. In what this are movie. you talking about? It's five funny ones, but there's a lot of jokes in this movie. Five funny jokes. Okay. Just give me a number. Thank you for giving me a number. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> All right, Radio Exposition gives us a time update. It's morning activity time. Uh, there's a kid who got kicked out because he snuck into the office and videotaped himself jacking off. Michael Ian Black wants to get that tape. That was the part where I realized they're playing children. Oh, okay. Because I was just like, you want to watch child porn, my man? Like, what's up with that? Everybody in this movie is super horny. Super horny, yeah. Like Teen Wolf 2 horny. Kids playing guitar, kids dancing, kids hiking, Professor Newman doing science shit. All the kids on the hike were playing their Game Boys. Molly Shannon is teaching arts and crafts. They're making decorations for the talent show. Girl asks if that's her wedding ring. She says it is. It was. It used to be legally. She has a breakdown over markers versus crayons. Do you guys ever have like teachers break down? In front of you? No. (laughs) Not in front of me, but in middle school, there was a Spanish teacher where one of the kids slapped her ass. What? (laughs) She, like, 
burst into tears. <laughs> it was definitely very funny when I was in seventh grade. How'd our ass look? Great. Nice. Nice. We don't condone sexual assault here on Cinefold, by the way. Maze, did a teacher break down in front of you that time you shit yourself in high school? Yeah, I feel like they, they just kind of took it in stride. You really liked having only two people on this podcast, didn't you? <laughs> Abby says it sucks dick that she and Victor didn't get to know each other this summer. She asked for gum. Then they awkwardly make out in front of a van full of kids as he's about to leave for the river. She grabs him by his dick and lifts him off the ground. Been there. Nobody chews gum like that anymore, right? We don't have that, that kind of gum anymore. No, like the sticks with the foil and everything? Juicy fruit, winter fresh, double mint. No, everything's these little, like, capsules now. That used to be the only gum for decades in this country. Yeah. Like that and then, like, the bubble gums, like the... Bubba Bubba and the Big League Chew stuff. But, like, in terms of, like, what regular people, like, oh, my breath is kicking a little bit. Here, have some gum. That was it. That's it. That's the tweet. <laughs> That's the list. That's the list. I did like that they were making out, and then it pans out a little bit, and the kids are just sitting there next to it. I thought that was funny. I also love Joe Latrulio's power mullet as Neil. I'm a big Joe Latrulio fan. She says not to go, lifts him off the ground by his dick. He says he'll be back tonight. Then Artie on the radio gets interrupted by Michael Ian Black. He needs a kid to take a shower. Hasn't done it once this summer. He's covered in dirt. All the counselors are now hanging on some steps, and Bradley Cooper says they should meet back in 10 years to see what they've all become. Ask when they want to meet. Why don't we say 9.30 and then make it your beeswax to be here by 9.30? I mean, we're all going to be in our late 20s by then. I just don't see any reason why we can't be places on time. Michael Ian Black says he has something at 11 that day. Can't change it because he's already moved it twice. There's a Trapper Keeper reference, and there are a lot of short shorts in this scene. Unfortunately... Not a lot of jokes. Not a lot of good jokes. <laughs> Professor Newman is looking up at the sky, says nothing they need to worry about yet, but he is freaking out about something. Then Paul Rudd throws his food tray all over the mess hall. Janine Garofalo says to clean it up and then to go to her office for the meeting. My notes here are this scene goes on for a while yeah, yeah. with him dramatically picking up the chair and the food off the floor. But my other note, He's wearing the fuck out of that jean jacket. This is what I used to do to my sister to tease her. Like, if she asked me for a very reasonable thing, like, hey, can you do me a favor? Can you just, like, put the clothes in the dryer? Like, ugh! I do that. Not because I thought she was going to uproariously erupt into laughter, but just because I was trying to annoy her. Now, being on the other side of that, I see that I was very, 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 very efficient and very on point with my tactics. Yeah, he's a fucking toddler. Like he, <laughs> I'm talking about as us, the audience. Were we supposed to laugh at that scene? As it lasted for a good 14 minutes? I love this scene. This is my favorite scene in the movie. This is your favorite scene? This is the scene that I think about all the time. Because Paul Rudd is killing it. He's just... Ugh. Ugh, like everything is the worst thing that he's ever had to do. He did it to himself. He fucking knocked the shit on the floor. And Janine Garofalo is just looking there like, I got to deal with these fucking kids all day. And then when he's done, he puts his shades on. He gives her this look like, there, bitch. See, I did it. Look at, I did it for you. You happy now? Molly Shannon's now crying to kids about her ex-husband. Ron helped her forget about Jonas. One kid's trying to comfort her. Ron is who he is and she can't change that. Says to look at him. Tells her to say the word okay. This is my least favorite recurring bit, which is just like, Gail, the arts and crafts teacher, uses her class as therapy to get over her ex-ex-ex-husband, Ron. Great. Yeah, I mean, again, like, they're building the absurdity in this movie to, like, I guess the final couple of scenes, but at the same time, like, 
you could see where this one was going. This isn't a good joke. The good thing about this movie is that they cut, 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 cut. Like, they only do, like, a minute at a time. You know what this movie was? A, you know what it felt like? A sketch. First of all, it felt like an SNL sketch that was expanded to 90 minutes. These dudes are sketch comedy writers, so yeah. It was funny in a three- or four-minute window. When you try to expand it into a full movie, it does not hold. But the other thing it felt like, it felt like movie 43 with a slightly more of a plot that tied everything together. Slightly more? Slightly. Come on. Slightly more. Slightly Movie more. 43 hadn't... <laughs> movie 43, the one we watched, was the fucking backup plot! Well, yeah, now the one we didn't watch apparently had a lot of through lines. It wasn't even the... <laughs> it's not meant to be a, a praise of movie 43, Maze. But it's a denigration of this movie by comparing it to movie 43. Yes. Oh, 100%, yeah. All right, I can already tell this is fucking Hot Rod 2. I don't I don't give a shit. Fuck you guys. It took you this long, huh? No, I already knew before. I knew as soon as I picked it. I knew as soon as I picked it, as soon as I picked a movie that I actually fucking liked. Maybe that's the problem. One, you like takers. Two. No, no, no. No, no, no. That I liked before Cinephobe. It's a good episode, by the way. I'm halfway through it. It's a good episode. I'm laughing a lot. It's a callback. Not even a future callback. This shit's out. It's a good episode. I went into this very open-minded because i'd never seen it before i'd only seen this a little bit of the series like two episodes of the series i do find parts of it very funny i went super open i was so excited to watch this movie it's like i looked at that cast i was like let's do this and you know what the last time i felt like this you called it maze hot rod i was like oh shit it's got kenny powers in it no way it can be unfunny no way it's like like when i saw kim marino in that like first or second scene i'm like oh kim marino's in this I'm about to be dying laughing. Here we go. And like 45 minutes in, I can always tell when I'm watching the movie lying flat on my back with my hands on my chest. I'm like, oh, I didn't even notice myself get into this pose. But that's usually a bad sign for this movie. Wow. Wow. The first 20 minutes, I'm like, man, this movie's flying by. And then the next hour, I was like, geez, this is really really push it but we don't know look there are parts of this movie i really like it's not over yet keep going zach he's right the movie's not over yet janine addresses the counselors thanking them for making this the best summer ever needs coop to clean up the goat shit from the infirmary needs abby she's got to show kids the china syndrome again on betamax they love that movie for some reason she wants amy poehler to go get four lower campers unstuck from the rope course she meant to tell her that yesterday that's funny that's a funny line. I like that. I laughed at that. It says, tonight's a big talent show, but before she can give the ground rules for the talent show, they all walk out. She says she's no Ruth Buzzy. Ruth Buzzy won a Golden Globe for laughing, the TV show in the 70s. Did not get that reference. Some guy named Steve is pretending to be a robot from space. I have been programmed by my galactic master not to talk to Earth denizens of classification JJ and... McKinley is on. Janine asks Katie about being hot. Wants to know what to wear to look hot and make a good first impression. Asks about putting on pants. Do you put on a clean pair of pants? Slacks? <laughs> she says to wear a sexy dress, do her hair, use a little mousse. Janine doesn't know what mousse is. <laughs> I do love, she like mimes, like putting the horns up. I like Janine Garofalo. I think she's hilarious. I do too. In most things. In most things. In most oh things, yes. I would agree. Kid asks kid asked Paul Rudd about taking the motorboat out. Rudd is apathetic, and the kid drives off screaming. You mean the little ginger problem child that wants to take the motorboat out on the lake? Is that the same fucking kid? The child actually reminded me of a less funny version of Ricky Bobby's kids. Now Paul Rudd wants to fuck Elizabeth Banks. JJ asks about Katie, and he asks who? 
That's when Elizabeth Banks swims over to him. He's writing in his gurnal. Paul Rudd's got the doofiest smile because it's like kind of duck face and like squints his eyes and shows his whole front teeth. Only three people are allowed to read it. Me, myself, and I. Then she starts kissing him. They just make out hardcore in front of these kids as the kid in the motorboat flies by screaming with his hands up. Katie's trying to find Koopa Girl. She offers up a slut. I love sluts. Sluts rock. It's just got to be the right slut. He could go for Susie. They went out when they were 10. Says they went all the way and all the way back again. Doggy style, pony style, style council, human league, League of Nations, United Nations. Now he's talking about Italy. He's tangenting to a tangent, just like I mean. I didn't get it. Coop's awkward. She smiles at him. He smiles back. Nancy then comes over and interrupts, reminds Coop to clean up the goat shit. Now the kids are just really watching Paul Rudd and Elizabeth Banks make out. You French great. You're not so bad yourself, Mr. Man. Kid comes back with the boat, falls in the water, asks Andy for help, says he can't swim. Says, cut it out, Bobby, you're fine. And then the kid goes under the water and drowns. Good riddance, problem child. Beth interrupts Professor Newman with the kids. Her hair is styled wildly with moose. She says astrophysics are her greatest hobby. He asks who her favorite astrophysicists are. And she stalls out until she says she has to go. I mean, are you going to tell me that you laughed at a joke in the last, like, ten minutes of the movie again? Actually, yes. There is a bit where I laughed hysterically. There you go. Can't wait. I think it's this one. Because I really like this thing that that becomes recurrent. Another kid says Andy has to help him (laughs) find the kid or he's going to tell Beth that he let him drown. Then all of a sudden, we watch a van driving down the road. He says he's going to take him to a secret pizza party. Then he throws the kid out of a moving van. Wow, I love pizza. I thought that was funny. I thought it was funny. I didn't guffaw. I I, I gave it like a, a nice <laughs> laugh, but mostly because for, at, for a second, I thought it was Ken Marino because it was the same van. Oh, yeah. Same van. And I was like, what, what? What's happening here? Small budget, same van. Beth is looking for a book on astrophysics, and Nancy says to go to the library or the bookstore. Henry comes by and asks Nancy for a book on camp directing. She says the library or the bookstore. Nancy asks Beth to go get some loop from the drugstore and then whispers, for my pussy. She runs off and everyone in this movie who runs flails their arms. Apparently that's funny. The counselors then all jump into the back of the truck for a ride into town. You gotta watch out for hop-ons. Certainly gonna get some hop-ons. And they start screaming and like cheering and acting like, oh my God, it's the greatest thing ever. Again, I'm... Mike, okay. I'll sell it a little better, Maze. So we get a montage of Beth and Henry at the library or the bookstore, wherever they are, looking at books on other sides of the... It's a library. The Dewey Decimal System is the giveaway. Then Coop and Katie are eating ice cream together. Counselors are housing McDonald's fries. Beth, Katie, and Amy are smoking. Then they buy beer. There's more smoking. They buy a giant bag of cocaine. They steal money from an old lady. Amy is drugged out in the hallway, and everybody's doing heroin. Now they drive back to the camp, and we find out that all of that was just an hour. So I do enjoy a good escalation of absurdity. Yeah. And that's the part where I put the note. This movie isn't absurd enough to have an escalation of absurdity. That's funny. I just wish you guys had just embraced it earlier rather than kind of slowly build into this point. Coop and Katie will see each other later. Victor tells his friend Joe Latrulia that he's a virgin. You're the staff! You've had like 50 or 60 women! That he just keeps calling Victor a loser over and over. Such a loser. Now it's 11 a.m. Gene is trying to intimidate Gary. He says to finish up the taters so he can go fondle his sweaters. What? What'd you say? Denies it and said he's going to fondue with cheddar. Chris Maloney is like a doing a wag version of the Hispanic cop from White Chicks. What? Well, it's not exactly the same gambit, but it's the whole... The Hispanic cop and... 
white chicks? What? You don't remember like the ones that are following the Wayne's brothers? While they're kissing the joint, he always asks, oh, would you rather fuck Janet, Janet Reno without a rubber on, or would you rather do this? Oh, yeah. Okay, yeah. Now I remember. Every time the dude's like, what about you? He's like, no time. We got to go or whatever. I would have liked if instead of him coming up with a lame version of what sounds like what he just said, to just act like he didn't say it. Jerry tells a can of vegetables, maybe you should talk to him. Oh, did he? Oh, I didn't catch that. I didn't catch that either. Oh, that makes more sense now. Yeah, it does make sense. McKinley asks Andy on the radio if he's showered. He says he did, then says he didn't. Then we see that the radio equipment is not hooked up at all. Sorry, folks, for the coitus interruptus, if you will. When I saw it was not connected, I kind of, I, I half smiled because it let me know that they didn't go for a radio exposition. But then I realized it's still exposition. It's still very heavy-handed exposition, even if they cleverly made a joke out of it. Yeah, we still get to hear it, even if nobody else does. The boy with Molly Shannon is talking badly about men. We find out she's 34, and she's afraid of never finding someone. He's massaging her back. Men are insensitive schmucks, pardon my Yiddish. See, because, I mean, we've got 30-year-olds playing 17-year-olds, but we've also got a child playing a 45-year-old therapist. I mean, you ever notice that, like... But you're right, it's not absurd enough. When Maze does a pick, he's a lot chattier, you know? Which I'm all for. I want him to be chatty. I, I like I like what you add to the show, but it seems to only happen with these kind of situations. Yeah, you know, like I said, this is Hot Rod 2, because that was the last time that I picked a movie that I really liked. What are some other movies you like? I don't want to know anymore. Jesus Christ. D- stop picking movies you like. Well, fuck you. Welcome back. Who's at the river with the band? Says he'll come back in the morning to pick them all up. Driving back and he's singing and then he slams into a tree and screams Abby. What's the most outrageous thing you've ever done for the chance at some some trim? Oh, God. What is that? <laughs> it's the 80s. Who says trim? It's the 80s. I'm trying, to, I'm trying to be period piece here. Oh, my God. Snatch? Would you prefer snatch? Oh, my God. Pussy crushing counting? <laughs> Actually, my note said pussy, but like I thought that was a little too on the nose. But you thought you thought that was too on the nose. Yeah, that you should say trim. Yeah, in case someone's riding around with their kids in the car, they'll hear trim and be like, oh, "Okay." Well, this ought to fix that. Yeah. <laughs> Just like to apologize to all the women listening to this, both of you. Abby's in her room listening to the same song that he was singing. Gary walks in, sits on the bed, offers her gum. They start making out. He pretends like he's lost, which I just love. Oh, uh, I thought this was a different cabin. The kids on the river don't have a map. They say they'll die without Victor. Neil says he'll bring him back if it's the last thing he does, dead or alive. And they say, alive. We definitely want him alive. I don't know. Victor took the map, so shut up and paddle. Okay, Laura Ingram. Okay, Tillman Fertitta. Oh, he jumps out of the raft to go find Victor. He grabs that some random right there, motorcycle. That joke right there was funnier than everything in this movie, except for one joke that we're coming up to. Victor's running away. There's a random bale of hay in the middle of the road. He stops, then jumps over it. Neil slides right in front of the hay. Not Neil, a stuntman with the worst yeah, mullet wig really ever. <laughs> I did enjoy the... The switching yeah. from the stuntman to Joe Latrulio. I feel like what this movie did do well is that when they did something bad, they kind of leaned into it. Right. Like the stuntman thing. Victor gets away. Three of the guys see the girl counselors getting into their bikinis. They're watching them play with a beach ball. Oh, my God. 
Look at Lindsay's chicken wings. Debbie Epstein has like Playboy titties. It's just like Clint. Holy shit, you guys, look, look, look. I love when Gary says it's just like Clute, which I actually just watched this year. It's like a paranoid thriller movie from the 70s. Another Jane Fonda reference. So we got two Jane Fonda movies getting referenced. McKinley sneaks away to get with Bradley Cooper. They're in a shed. Meanwhile, JJ and Gary are trying to figure out someone for him to bang. Also, Gary, when they're watching the girls, he says, throw the ball. Yes! <laughs> I did like that. <laughs> I just love 80 Miles, man. Like, that guy He's great. should be in more stuff. Bradley Cooper and McKinley are getting naked. They start making out, and now they are straight up fucking in that shed. Bradley Cooper is a power bottom? Yes, 100%. What's the difference between a bottom and a power bottom? Don't worry, I mean, I'll clip in the always sunny part that explains all of this. Find out in a You'll find weeks. out in like a month. <laughs> great. What's a power bottom? A power bottom is a bottom that is capable of receiving an enormous amount of power. Actually, Mac, you got it backwards. You see, a power bottom is actually generating all the power by doing most of the work. Does the power have to do with the size or the strength of the bottom? Now, Dennis, I've heard that speed has something to do with it. Speed has everything to do with it. You see, the speed of the bottom informs the top how much pressure he's supposed to apply. Speed's the name of the game. Right, buddy? Time for the big softball game against Camp Tiger Claw. Coop and JJ are the coaches. It's a pump-up speech from Coop about how they had unconventional training. It seemed like nothing was going to go right, but they came together and made it to the finals. When they face the anonymously evil campers from Tiger Claw, give it your best shot. Try to come from behind in the last minute with a weird trick play they made up to win the game. Then the kids just kind of say, this is trite. Well-worn territory. Bus pulls up. Coop walks over to the coach, tells him that the kids think it's trite. The other coach agrees. They drive off. No game today. It's no big deal. They're totally cool with it. I thought that was funny. Mean nothing? Nothing it is. That is a perfect sketch. Yeah, that's a good sketch. Not a perfect sketch, but an example of why this movie is just a collection of sketches. Yes. McKinley goes off with Amy Poehler. JJ thinks that they're going to fuck, but she's just playing the flute when they find her, and he's getting married to Bradley Cooper. Beth is marrying them. This is all for show because gay marriage in Maine didn't get approved until 2012, you guys. Oh, wow. Look at that research, man. Yeah. Looked it up. Good job, Zach. This guy. You wondered if in 1981 gay marriage was legal. Turns out, no, it wasn't. Well, I don't know anything about, you know, like Maine and New Hampshire are supposed to be these, you know. Maine's kind of, out there, man. Yeah, they yeah. do some, they're advanced in some ways. Not out there enough to allow it before 2012. Not good enough. <laughs> now kids are playing Capture the flag uh, super chaotic weird brother of jj's pretending to shoot a rooster at stuff like a laser gun beth tells him to drop the robot voice she says to do something at the talent show katie and andy are now sitting together she wants to get together later katie you're gonna pound this into my face all day he walks away while she's in mid-sentence talking about something because he can smell that the ribs are ready amy is mad at beth for usurping her authority for the talent show says that the kids are amateurs i love when she says she's producer and then Ben grunts at her because Ben is the producer. <laughs> Susie makes a big fuss. Beth stares at her and then she gives in. And then she throws her clipboard down and Bradley Cooper keeps picking it up. She yells at him for picking it up. Does it feel like Amin is currently podcasting on his back with his hands on his chest? Did we get Amin back? Is he still on the show? <laughs> no lie. About to send you guys a picture right now. Oh, God. I swear <laughs> oh, is God, that this a is good a, thing? This is another dick pic. I'm not interested, okay? Let's see where at uh, cinephobe, cinephobe, very cinephobe. <laughs> How many cine group chats do you have? 
<laughs> I like the idea that he has one with with Adnan. Yeah. Well, yeah, he's just kind of leaning back there. Yep. A lot of cords all over the place. The Lahassan Digital Center is a dream deferred, not a dream denied. All right, she's gonna put the weird guy last. Now Henry is teaching planetary stuff with rocks. The kids are impressed. He admits that he's just an associate professor. It means that he's less than. And the kids hug him, and he cries. Beth sees them crying. She joins in for comforting, then says to grab lunch and watch Capture the Flag. She uses that as an opportunity to flex all of her newly acquired astrophysics knowledge. And then Niles counters by listing a bunch of mundane summer camp tasks. (laughs) These nerds, they're really trying to make it work, you know? I thought that was mildly mildly funny, by the way. Okay, that's a plus. Him responding with, like, you know, you gotta file their taxes and da-da-da. He's (laughs) repeating what he learned from the books. I get it. They can both do research. Lindsay wants to know where the corn is. She has barbecue sauce all over her face. Andy says that it's foul. She wants to make out. He says not there because Katie's around. Gene randomly catches a burger that's tossed to him. I like that move, actually. I think people run a barbecue. That's how they should do it. You get your buns in your hands like mitts. (laughs) And then toss it. (laughs) Beth and Henry are talking about being professors. He's up for tenure this fall and he's in trouble. She gets the address of the dean. She says she's going to talk to him. They hug and kiss. They start making out. She says this is crazy, then jumps him some more. This is crazy. Capture the flag montage at first. Black marathon runner grabs the flag and outruns Coop. (laughs) The only black person in the movie. Katie smiles and waves at him. He waves back. Abby starts making out with JJ. No gum transaction this time, though. Andy is helping a kid water ski. He and Lindsay start making out, and the kid falls in the water. You taste like a burger. I don't like you anymore. Kid is getting dragged in the water. Now he's gone. Andy's losing kids left and right in the water. Another kid asks if it's his turn. Then we get a cut to another kid getting thrown out of a moving van. <laughs> I like that bit. That's a great bit. I mean, how do you not like that bit? I, I like it. was all right. It was okay. Katie is with Coop in a barn. She asks for his hand. They're cold. She offers her sweatshirt. He takes it. She's colder now. He gives her his flannel. They've exchanged tops. It's his favorite shirt, so she'll have to give it back. She does. They start making out with the goats there. Yeah. I mean, Michael Showalter is just cringeworthy awkward. Yeah, and I know that's the point, but, like, he's not quite funny enough to do any of this stuff. No, but it's kind of a Seth MacFarlane situation in the sense that he wrote the movie, and then somehow he's the main character. Also created Family Guy. Yeah, that's the difference. Is that Seth MacFarlane is funny. Just like Seth Rogen is funny. Like, funny people. Will Ferrell is funny. Well, I thought you were just going to start naming Seths. Oh, I thought you were talking about funny people. It's Seth Rogen. Adam Sandler. Which actually isn't really that funny. First half's really good. There is a good movie in there if yeah. Judd Apatow would hire an editor. I know you always say that Christopher Nolan needs to hire oh, an editor. Judd Apatow absolutely needs Judd an Apatow needs to hire an editor. 100%. Now the boy's going through a mock phone call with Molly Shannon about giving the marriage another shot. Another kid says to be strong. She says no to imaginary Ron. It's over. Goodbye. They all clap for her. This is when the applause really starts to kick in because Catwoman, there was always lots of applause. Yeah. Lots of applause <laughs> I was yeah. thinking about that. Coop calls his parents, asks if they're sitting down, said he's met someone. Well, she's got this other boyfriend, but it's just a matter of time, I think. Telling them about Katie and then I'd really love, this is maybe my favorite joke in the movie. What? I don't think so. Well, she might be. She's got a pretty big nose, but... Well, I know how you guys worry that I have trouble meeting girls, and I'm just saying, worry no more. So. Is she what? I don't know. She actually might be. She's got a pretty big nose. <laughs> that line made me legit laugh. Like, I think that might be the first time I, like, I went, ha, 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 in this movie. He delivers it perfectly. Yes. 
this this was this was excellent. Beth says not to jump the gun with him just yet. Yes, if she's being Ruth Boozy or Buzzy or whatever. I can't remember. Jump the gun! A plus for comedy, Beth. Kids are practicing the musical number. Susie's telling them how bad they are and that they their craft is their muscle. They need to exercise that muscle. Coop is looking for Katie. He finds her talking to Andy. She's crying. Andy flips him off. Now it's time for dinner. McKinley's worried that JJ and Gary found out about him and Ben. They call him out as they walk in. Then my internet cut out at this point. <laughs> Glory be to God. <laughs> my internet just cut out. We're about two hours until our pod. I have 38 minutes left in this movie. I'm actually okay if it doesn't come back on. Then my next note, fuck, it came back on after five minutes. <laughs> Zach, why don't you let me know the next time you actually want to finish a movie that you didn't pick? I feel like every single time you're like, what? you know what? If I hung it up right now and let them finish this movie, I'm all good with that. I wanted to finish A Million Ways to Die in the West. Great movie. I filmed it. I know. So did Maze. Oh, I know. They make a whole scene about Colin McKinley out, but then it turns out they bought him a chase lounge. Yeah, from Crate and Barrel. I chuckled. Yeah, that's chuckled. a funny. that's a funny joke. Beth comes with an announcement. She's just naming kids who have to put their trunks out early for the bus to Boston in the morning. It really seemed like she was just making it up. <laughs> On the spot, yeah. And then in the trivia, she improvised most of these names. She says David Ben-Gurion, who was the first prime minister of Israel. She also calls out Rabbi Menachem Schneerson. Menachem Mendel Schneerson was perhaps the best-known 20th century leader of the Chabad Lubavitch Hasids ultra-Orthodox Jews, and then many of the other names. She was just reading the names off of the plaques that were at the actual camp they shot at. Gene's now talking to the can of mixed vegetables about Nam being a war that they couldn't win. Says he's going to go smear mud on his ass. The can asks him, what? He said, I hear my buds in class. I got to go call him and see how his grades are. Can says not to lie to him. He doesn't care what he does in his private time, but don't lie about it. If you want to <laughs> smear mud on your ass, then do it. Just be honest about it. Look, Gene, I've never told anyone this before, but I can suck my own dick, and I do it a lot. There, I said it. I was honest. And you know what, Gene? Being honest makes you feel better. <laughs> There's H. John Benjamin, man. I fucking laughed, man. <laughs> Because even look, looking at the lid, just flat yeah. back and forth, yeah. that'd be done. <laughs> but also the turn of, I can suck my own dick. Was just <laughs> even the vegetable cans are horny. Katie tells Coop what happened before was a mistake. She was, wasn't was thinking straight. It was wrong. She then apologizes to him. He says he loves her and wants to hold her, provide for her, and of course have sex with her. He doesn't care that she's bow-legged or bilingual. He's always wanted her. <laughs> She doesn't know what to say, and he runs away. Back to Beth, Rachel Clipper Hofferman. <laughs> Gene wants to interrupt Beth for a quick announcement. He thanks everybody for a terrific summer. Cooking for them helped him get over the fact that he fought in the war. Now he's going to go hump the fridge. Yes, folks, it's true. He's going to go hump the fridge. He also owns a bottle of dick cream. He fondles his sweaters, and he smears mud on his ass. You're probably asking yourselves, isn't he a weirdo, outcast, loose cannon? Maybe. I don't think so. Then he introduces the can of vegetables. Patriotic music is playing. He's proud of who he is. He tosses the can, and there's the glass-breaking sound effect that was played a bunch in the beginning of the movie. Everyone cheers and applauds. Gary slowly wheels out the fridge, and then Gene mounts that fucking fridge. Starts humping it, and Gary rolls him away. 734, counselors grab Artie. 
radio kid in the mess hall. They take him in the shower, force him to shower. Everybody cheers. 7.35. Beth and Henry are walking together by the lake. Uh, he says he has something to tell her. She says, oh, you have crabs. He says, that's, he says he does, but that's not the point. He says to meet her at the picnic table in 10 seconds. He'll tell, he'll tell her everything. 10 seconds go by. She walks over. He's in his lab coat with the kids and telescopes. Yeah, so they walk by the table, and it's completely empty when he comes back. It's friggin' packed. Thinks he saw a renegade piece of Skylab, a NASA space station. It's heading right for the camp, and there's more. It could kill them all. Maybe they can build a homemade tracking device. Now Coop wants to talk to Andy. For a second. Sure. Time's up. You said a second. And then the doofy smile. Yeah, I didn't like that. Wants Andy to let her go. He says, no way. Fuck off. I will not fuck off. Coop gets mad. Storms off. Fuck nobody. She's hot. In fact, fuck off. What gets stuck in a bucket. He kicks it off. He slips on a banana peel. He falls in a kiddie pool. And then the bucket falls on his head. Yes, that did happen. Henry and the kids have built the... Now, if Amin had said that, you'd be like, Oh, I get it. It's not fucking funny. No, no. This part wasn't funny. I'm with you. You seem to, you seem to be upset when we don't find something funny, though. Amin, you notice that? Yeah, yeah. I've noticed a timer 10. Henry and the kids have built the Skylab tracking device. Could be up for the Hopkins Prize for physics if they pull this off. And he'll get his tenure. Now Coop's crying, Gene's with him, says to be proud of who he is, says it's about the girl, but it isn't, it is, but it isn't. Coop repeats him, now they're running together, Gene's teaching him how to dance. It's a montage of running and dancing and snatching a piece of candy from his hand. Christopher Maloney is a fantastic dancer. My next note, because that really went on for a while, is Maze, I hope you shit yourself again. Oh, okay. So remember when earlier when you're like, oh, you know, I had an open mind, blah, blah, blah. Like, uh, I watched this movie, so it took it took an hour. An hour in. You are already wishing pain on me. Amin is barely here. He's taking a nap. <laughs> I mean, you got any notes? You're hearing them all when I go, mm. That's me just, it's me grunting in pain at just a lot of this, what is purported to be humor. I want you guys to know, no matter what fucking movie gets picked, I bring the same energy to this podcast. Same. I wouldn't know because all that gets picked is terrible movies on this podcast now. It's not. It's a point. Hold up, man. <laughs> all right. 7.51. Victor's back looking for Abby. Uh, Neil is back with the motorcycle. Says the kids are about to go over Devil's Canyon Rapids. Victor calls Beth. The rest of the scene is just, it's them overreacting, trying to find Victor. It's not funny. Destroying everything, freaking out. They're trying to find a phone. I mean, this whole part is... The most absurd because yeah. Neil left these kids. He just hopped out of this raft on the river. And then and we're supposed to know where they are. We're supposed to be able to get back to them. It's it's a lot. Neil slaps them. They're heading for the kids. Henry has the machine readout. It's going to land on the rec hall where the talent show is. Now it's time for the talent show. Victor and Neil get to the kids on the rapids. We see Neil narrating Victor saving them. Everybody's safe. I do love Joe Latrulio here. You're doing it. You're actually doing it. I don't think it was great, but I do think the concept is funny. Concept is funny. The execution was not so good. The execution was fine. It just could have been a lot funnier. Afterwards, his face is fine. They joke about Neil driving the van. They laugh, and there's like these cheesy guitar riffs. Henry wants to change the direction of the trajectory of the Skylab piece. They'll need a super mainframe computer. All is lost. They'll need to randomly put 20 digits in and the nerd says he has a 20-sided die from his dungeons and dragons game wow how convenient beth interrupts the talent show with bad news but the kids tackle her tell her the secret now there is no bad news 
Talent show has Mr. Alan Shemper to do some stand-up comedy. It's just uh, Michael Showalter in old people garb. Did he write the movie? He's just making jokes about being really old. Everyone laughs. Stone Age, pterodactyl eggs, raptor bacon, not cots, just slabs. No sleeping bags, just sleeping pelts. Ha! Everybody here laughs except for the movie audience. Yeah. And they keep going with it. Yeah. They keep going with it. Roger, the master broom, broom balancer comes out. Bounces the broom. Everyone cheers. They move the Skylab device. Girls are singing for the talent show. Some kid does some racial stand-up comedy. Problematic. That's not great. White folks sound so stupid when they get mad. They be like, hey, asshole, I'm going to kick your behind. But the brothers don't even need to raise their voice. These motherfuckers be like, don't make me say it twice. Literally, almost word for word a ripoff of a Chris Rock character that he did on the Chris Rock show, Controversy LaRue, who Controversy LaRue's entire, entire routine was just, see, white people, they do things like this. But black people, we do it like that. And so, like, my favorite one is, white people drink water like this. Mm, I am drinking water. Mm, the hydrogen and oxygen molecules are hydrating me and keeping me refreshed. Mm, but black people, we drink water like this. And he proceeds to splash a glass of water all over his face as he screams, Give me some water, motherfucker. I'm thirsty. That's exactly what this kid did. Which would be funny if Chris Rock hadn't done it already. So for black representation, we've got this Jewish kid doing this comedy set and the sprinter winning Capture the Flag. Right. Yeah, pretty much. Now it's time for Moose, the announcement kid. He lights a fart. They chant Moose! This is Moose! This is Moose's origin story! Moose is in the house. (laughs) Moose is in the house. Watch out. Watch out. Here's Moosey. This is where you think Moose came from? The blonde bowl cut kid? Yes! You think he made it across the country? That kid heard about the boulevard and he had to go. Time to get out of Maine. All right, Judah Friedlander wants her back. She stands up, says she loves him, wants to be with him, but she's throwing out a bunch of cliches. He says she'll come back to him. She says she doesn't think so. Everybody cheers. Judah Friedlander, repeat offender. Susie's drama group doing a musical number. Susie says the campers, they're about to see suck dick. (laughs) They're singing day by day. Kids are rolling the die and plugging the numbers into the machine. Everybody was clapping along to the song by the girls' drama group. They finish, and then the crowd just boos them mercilessly. Susie's pissed. Alan Schemper calls it day by day. Coop walks into the rec hall. Everyone's shocked by how he looks. Andy's nervous. Because he's wearing the same exact outfit as Gene, which he put on during the montage. Right. He started dressing like Gene. Coop is there to tell Katie he's leaving. He doesn't know where he's going. Maybe to Europe. He's got a couple weeks before school starts. Then he gives her a gift, which is a small box. Now it's time for Steve, the weird guy. He walks out in sunglasses and a tie. Someone says, come on, do something. Get the fuck off the stage. Beth runs in to watch. Steve raises his hands to the sky. Everything starts shaking. Wind is blowing. Katie opens the president's, the flannel shirt in the tiny box. Yeah, they did the gag where she like put it on the bench so she can pull like a bunch of stuff out of a trapdoor. Katie runs to Coop, says not to leave. She loves him. Lindsay and Abby make out as the wind blows. Katie keeps saying she loves him. They kiss. Steve stops. Skylab falls to an empty field. Paul Rudd's doing air guitar in the wind. Henry tells Beth they did it. A slow clap starts in the rec hall for Steve. Lindsay rejects Andy. Kids are leaving the next morning. NASA's hiring Henry. He got the award, which is just a like a bowling trophy. He'll have a whole new life, but he told NASA he needs an apartment for two people and that they'll fly her back to camp every summer. He knows the problems they've been having, but they can adopt, and she says, don't worry about it. We're pregnant. 
They're going to have a baby. Jail and Aaron are getting married and serving shrimp cocktails at their wedding. I hope it's not jumbo shrimp because I'm allergic to oxymorons. Gene then says goodbye to the can of vegetables. Mouth, thank you. Last night was really great. You were incredibly romantic and heroic. No doubt about it. And that's great. But I've thought about it and my thing is this. Andy's really hot. And don't get me wrong, you're cute too, but Andy is like cut from Marvel. He's gorgeous. He's like this beautiful face and this incredible body. And I genuinely don't care that he's kind of lame. You know, I don't even care that he cheats on me. And, and I like you more than I like Andy Coop, but I'm 16. And maybe it'll be a different story like when I'm ready to get married. But right now, I am entirely about sex. I just want Andy. Yeah. I want to take him and grab him and just fuck his brains out, you know? So that's where my priorities are right now. Sex, specifically with Andy and not with you. But you're really nice. I mean, everybody thinks so. And I'm sorry if, if this isn't the direction that you saw things going between us. I still totally want to be friends. Better write me a letter, okay? Sure. Cool. I do like Michael Showalter's facial reactions to just getting emasculated <laughs> at this point. Yeah, those, those are good. Like, he sold that scene pretty well. She leaves with Andy. Roll credits with a photo montage, and then we get a 10 years later cut. At the end, it's 9.35. I couldn't wait to turn that fucker off. Everyone's there. JJ walks in, apologizing for being late. Thought they said 9.30. Susie says they said 9 so they could be there by 9.30, and then it abruptly ends. Yep, it's over. Trivia. The owners of Camp Tawanda, where the movie was filmed, were told that this was going to be a family comedy, and they were mortified when they saw the final cut of the film. 2011, Paul Rudd told Entertainment Weekly that he was literally not sure he ever got paid for this movie. He thinks that because the budget was so small that they just overlooked making out a check for his salary. While a guest on Live with Regis and Kelly in 2010, R.I.P. Reg, unless he did something horrible, then never mind, Bradley Cooper was asked which of the many actresses with whom he's had a co-starring role with has been his favorite on-screen kisser instead of an actress he said michael ian black nothing like your first you know the shooting script included a dark comedy scene where paul rudd murdered a camper in order to cover up the many drownings or other deaths that occurred due to his negligence but director and co-writer david wayne cut the scenes after he gave the screenplay to his father and wayne's father said that he would be disowned by him if he put that in the horrible movie that's the part where his father drew the line not the pedophilia that part Got it. David Wayne's dad. Film's financing took three years to assemble, and then he lied about how much it cost. It rained 23 out of the 28 days during the filming of this movie. That was kind of explained in, like, the documentary that they made about it. There's a, Yeah, there's a scene when they're in the mess hall, and you can see in the window behind it, it's raining. And I'm like, is that supposed to happen? <laughs> I was trying to figure out, like, wasn't it just sunny a second ago? According to Entertainment Weekly article from July 2011... Hank Azaria was a camper at Camp Tawanda from age 6 to 15. So one of the names that Janine Garofalo says is Jessica Azaria. Oh, okay. When Beth gets kissed, an instrumental version of Beth by Kiss starts to play. (laughs) Filmmakers have stated that the reason the talent show production of Day by Day is booed is often misunderstood. Shocking that this movie could be misinterpreted. The audience boos in spite of it being particularly well-produced, but it's commonly assumed because it ends with a cross being lit and the camp is mostly Jewish. Is this what our podcast sounds like to people? Like, jokes that are so inside that literally we're the only ones who get it? 
this movie has taught me a lot. I really feel like, no, and I'm not saying this ironically. I really feel like there's so many things that now I'm more cognizant about uh-huh. in the way I write things that it's like, yo, you, you, it can't be like this because then it'll end up like Wet Hot American Summer. There's a long story here about how David Wayne, basically the whole Victor trying to get back to camp to fuck Abby thing was based on his real experience, but I won't bore a mean with that story. Thank you. We do not have a Tony Medley. Tony Medley did not watch this movie, but we do have a particularly exceptional Roger Ebert review. Oh, okay. One star, August 2011. Hello, Mudda. Hello, Fada. Here I am at What Hot American Summer. Wow, I hate it. Something fierce. Except the astrophysicist David Hyde Pierce. Jesus Christ, you gods. Oh man, there's a lot more. I thought it was shorter. I just want to apologize to our audience for this episode. Like I'm, I'm kind of pining for the David Wayne story now. <laughs> oh, you want that? Uh, do I get that song back and erase that from my life? <laughs> it's a little okie doke by Maze there, you know? He hated it, just like you, man, so at least you got that. We really feel strained here, you know? I'm feeling great. I love this movie. I don't give a fuck. I'm, I'm not as vulnerable as I was back in the Hot Rod okay. days. I don't give a fuck wow. what you say after what you guys have done to me over this time. What we've done to you. Golden Dumpster nominees. Artie the Literally Filthy Radio DJ. No. No, that kid sucks. Jesus. Ken Marino <laughs> is the Dangerously Horny Victor. Oh, I love Ken Marino, but it didn't. Maze, earmuff this. This is the Hot Rod thing, right? It's these people that we really like. They're like, it's, it's impossible for us to not enjoy them and laugh and yet i want to go somewhere yeah. we find a, we find the one that didn't work yeah. i fucking love ken marino he's so funny in role models it's hilarious and everybody he's so funny in party down yeah he's so funny in party down like he's fucking hilarious he's also got a great body yeah i was looking at the good guns yeah. yeah he's like he's like sneaky ripped also sneaky ripped christopher maloney is the unhinged camp cook no, gene that's not sneaky ripped that dude was he on just... oz man <laughs> A lot of power bottoms on Oz, I mean. <laughs> 80 Miles is Gary. Oh, he's good. The Cape Nerd. Paul Rudd is Andy, the original doucheboat. Bradley Cooper being a power bottom. The Black Distance Runner winning Capture the Flag. H. John Benjamin is the can of vegetables that can suck his own dick. And Bert Flugelman, a.k.a. Moose. This might be the worst options of Golden Dumpster we've ever had. I'm going to go with the joke about katie possibly being jewish when he's talking to his parents that was a really funny joke. that's a funny joke the can of vegetables legit like i guffawed <laughs> listen like watching that whole scene like i started laughing just when it was talking because as, as i said the lid flapping up and down there's something ridiculous about it that's funny but then when he says when he says he sucked he can suck his own dick like, i just lost it it's a can of vegetables right and and May's telling us that Gary earlier said that to the can of vegetables makes that scene even more enjoyable. Yeah, it makes it a lot funnier to me. Maze, what about you? It's Paul Rudd. This is Paul Rudd in his element. He is such a immature, whiny douchebag who gets whatever he wants. I definitely know dudes like this. Paul Rudd acted his ass off. 
So did Christopher Maloney, but it was really down to the two of them, and I'm giving it to Paul Rudd. Yeah, Christopher Maloney definitely acted his ass off in this one. I just adore this performance from him. So, Mays, Fove or File? I will file it. Big shock. You genuinely enjoy this movie, huh? Genuinely enjoy it. Seen it five, six times, which is a lot. It's cool to see all of these people before they got successful. It's like... Let me ask, like, do you look at this movie and you say, wow... It's right up there with, like, Party Down. And it's right up there with, like, all the other early kind of works. We're like, oh, these guys were all in it. You think it's, like, a, a peer to those pieces of work? It's kind of like a comedy, sketch comedy world, Days and Confused. I think that's a really good comparison. Days and Confused, obviously, a lot more sophisticated of a movie. But just in terms of, like, the agglomeration of talent, the low-budgetness, the... But in terms of the humor, you you think they're comparable? Any of these other kind of vehicles that feature these people? Okay, let's use role models as an example, right? right? Because he would go on to make role models, which is pretty much perfect and has a lot of the same people in it. Right. It's not as good as role models, but he also had to fight for everything he got. Also, Michael Showalter, who wrote it, I'm not as into his comedy... If you watch any of Stella or The State and you do like the Michael Showalter sketches, yeah, not my favorite. But I think David Wayne is a real genius. This was like a minor league movie for what would become major league talent. So you're filing this. Filing it. Oh, you're around 80% now. I don't know. It's a little filing your own stuff or whatever. What? I'm just saying, you're getting kind of high. 80%. I mean, over file. I dislike much of this movie. Um, it actually has a lot of the same notes, not obviously the same type, but like in the same rhythms as Coffee and Kareem in that the first two thirds of the movie, I was just like, I can't believe like this was a pick that was made with like passion and fervor. And then in that last third of the movie, you get the phone call with the parents joke. You get the can of, uh, vegetable joke. Yeah. You know, you got about three or four five things that happened that were like legitimately funny. Like I was like, okay, I'm laughing. It's pretty funny. The the absurdity is, oh, the, uh, when Ken Marino goes to save the kids, all that stuff, which I, I did find those things funny. Obviously the can of vegetables was my favorite part. And so uh, I thought about it. I was like, well, you know, like Coffee and Kareem, like that end really saved the movie to right. me and allowed me to file it. Fuck no, this is a phobe. This movie is fucking trash. And the fact that it had this many people that I enjoy and managed to make most of them supremely unfunny makes me so angry. The only time I felt this kind of anger, this type of anger, obviously it's not the angriest I felt because last episode I'm still very angry about that. But the last time I felt this sort of anger was watching my beloved Danny McBride be made into a dude who is just like one joke funny in an entire 90 minute movie whatever the fuck that movie was called so yeah hot rod fuck what hot american summer fuck any movie that maze picks that has the word hot in it because apparently yeah i guess i gotta avoid that word and the words of steve martin he hates these words (laughs) stay away from that word that's what's happening here so if i did wild wild wet american summer (laughs) That's a funnier joke than most things in this movie. Yeah, and that says a lot right there. Zach, what you got? Oh, man, I hate when you guys do that one. Oh, you're funnier than the movie. But you are, though, amazing. Like, I'm, I'm not trying to gas you up, but your jokes literally in this podcast have made me laugh more than that movie. It's a movie I wanted to like, Maze. You know how bad that is? Like, I went into After Earth. I knew it was terrible. What? And I was like, 
maybe, maybe it's not as bad as I remember, and it was, it was worse, right? What? I went into this movie maze. Actually, like I feel like Obi Wan Kenobi. You're the chosen one. Seven times. You're supposed. This is supposed to be the one. It's supposed to be good. Don't you dare bring up the fucking fedora wearing Anakin Skywalker right now. Takers. I like yo. I love. All I'm picturing right now is Maze walking out tonight onto a balcony and just sh- fake shooting the moon. <laughs> it's right there, baby. I laugh so hard. It's right within reach. We can take it. We take things for a living. <laughs> we take us gents. That's what we do. <laughs> Wait, do, do, uh, do, do, do Will Smith's kid again. <laughs> I got it. <laughs> You're the coward. I'm not the coward. You're the coward. <laughs> My dog just gave me the fucking weirdest look. <laughs> Boogie, you're not a coward. It's okay. That's what you got, man. I went into this with a very open mind. Very open mind. There are a lot of elements where I'm like, there's something here. There are a couple. I love the van joke with, with Paul Rudd getting rid of these kids. I love the fact that these kids keep drowning in the lake because of him. Elizabeth Banks was smoking this movie, too, by the way. She's smoking in every Oof. movie, sir. She's single? No, she she's like married to like a friend of Henry's. Henry Abbott? Yeah. No. Or at least she was like <laughs> 10 years ago. I mean, where are you at with your Wikipedia relationship research, on, dog? On, Look it up. Will, will it mention Henry Abbott? <laughs> I think this dude is like a filmmaker, but I think he used to like blog about the Blazers too. He's getting up from his reclined <laughs> position that he's been in this entire time. He's putting time. his dick in his hand and he's ready to Google. Max Handelman? <laughs> Just look up Max Handelman and then Henry Abbott. I think they know each other. He's a sports writer, producer, and blogger. Blazers fan, right? He wrote the book, Why Fantasy Football Man. I could totally scoop his girl, man. <laughs> he wrote Why Fantasy Football Matters. Baby girl, let me tell you what matters. Yeah, look at that. Collaborated on a weblog covering the Portland Trail Blazers entitled Beyond Bully. I legitimately thought Amin was rubbing the microphone on his dick. Like, right there. Like, that's what that sounded like. <laughs> 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 sounded like. Max Handelman, at Max Handelman, producer of Pitch Perfect 1, 2, and 3, Shrill, Charlie's Angels, and a not particularly good Bruce Willis film. He's just using her. He's getting like, wow. He's what? <laughs> yeah. Friends with the Inn Carmel. Really? Because he's a Blazers fan. Oh man, yeah, he like, probably knows all. He probably hook it up. I can. This is this is all happening. I can't. What is it. happening? What do you mean this is all happening? <laughs> I know Henry. I know Ian. Ipso facto, one thing led to another. You're the stallion. You've been with like fifty or sixty women. <laughs> it's a phobe. I really wanted to like it. I actually really wanted to like it. I tried to have, but it man, it slogs. If it was on again, I would not watch it. I'll tell you what slogs. This Max Handelman, man, he looks, <laughs> he looks like, I mean, I don't know how to describe this. All right, boys, you know what? I thought after, after a year, I thought it was safe. I thought it was safe to, to bring a movie. Has it been a fucking year of That this? I think is criminally underrated. That fits within the criteria of this hellacious podcast that I'm a part of. Maybe I'll share it with my friends. Maybe we'll watch a movie. Nope. Maze, I don't think... I don't think this one's on us. Because we wanted to like it. Yeah. Like, I, I, I can't express to you enough like how excited I was to watch. I heard the same I, bullshit a year ago. 
You think I haven't been hurt before? No, 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 no. Here's the difference. I'd heard of Hot Rod before, and I tried to watch it, but I thought it wasn't that funny. But I was like, all right, maybe I like I just wasn't in a good mood that day. And then I was. It was confirmed when I rewatched it for the pod. I'd never heard of this movie. So when you said, "Oh, it's got you know Ken Marino and it's got Paul Rudd," and I'm like, "Holy shit!" All I thought it was Party Down. I thought, "Oh, we're getting another Party Down." I'm getting Party Down the movie only their summer camp. That's why I went into it like, "All right, make me laugh." I wanted to ask Zach. Zach, what point did you realize? Oh, this shit is not going to be good. Because it took me a good while, and it was when I realized I was lying on my back with my hands on my chest. I was like, oh, shit. I don't remember what exactly was happening in the movie, but... Oh, no, no, no. Yeah, okay, so there was a point where it was like... It felt like the movie had to be close to over, because I felt like I'd been watching it for a long time, and I paused it to see where the time was, and it was 48 minutes into it. And I was like, oh, man, I thought I was like... Maybe had 20 minutes left. When my internet cut out and I was happy... That's when I knew. I feel like this movie goes a lot quicker if you're not trying to take notes. Probably, yeah. Because it is really fast-paced, and there's a lot of cutting back and forth. But if you're trying to keep track of everything, there's like 100 characters. Yeah, and... that's true. That's fair. Yeah, still a phobe. Now, at this point, watching a cinephobe movie takes at least two to three hours. Yeah, I agree with that. To take notes. It's not just like, I'm watching the movie, and how does it make me feel? If this movie was a Philadelphia 76er, it'd be Phobias Harris. Next time we make love... You introduced me to Jade. I mean, what are you picking next week? You know, I could be petty. I could be like you guys and just pick trash and dare the world to to say something about it and then lie and then file it myself as you guys have done the last look i picked a shitty movie last time in movie 43 and i phobed it because i'm not afraid to phobe my own picks matter of fact if you look at the analytics you'll see i am the least filer of my own picks so it's on me i feel like here to save the pod the pod is in a bad place right now you can hear it you heard it last week. You'll hear it this week. It's on me to save the pod. I'm going to save it with a certified banger that got bad ratings only because critics are very sensitive and they've, this one hit a little too close to them. Ladies and gentlemen, the 2006 motion picture, The Breakup. Oh, yes. Let's bring this yes. shit back to Let's make Cinephobe great Violet. again. Well, we had movies where we, we laughed oh, man, and had I'm a good with time you. watching My next pick's going to be and fun. And had actual jokes. I'm through with this run that we've had. Oh, my God. Just awful movies. We're going to do a whole pod just on Jon Favreau in this movie. I feel targeted. <laughs>